We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. The baptism and filling of the Holy Spirit. And so the first question I think we ask is, is what is this, right? What is the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the filling of the Holy Spirit? Right here, we see it says, the baptism and filling of the Holy Spirit is when the power of God is bestowed upon us in the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Now, I was real careful in using the words that I gave. I don't want to say that this power of God is bestowed upon us by the third person because in all reality, when you experience the power of God tonight or maybe it's happened to you in the past, it's by the Father. It's by the, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting. Luke twenty four forty nine says, I send you the promise of the Father. So it's the Father who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit. And not only that, John the Baptist said, he said, I baptize you with water, but there comes one mightier than I whose sandal straps are not worthy to loose. He, speaking of Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. With Holy Spirit and with fire. So when we're talking about the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's when the power of God is bestowed upon us. It's, uh, it comes from above. It's God raining down his power on you. You know, that's why when they would anoint the prophet, priest, and king, they would pour the oil over them. And you could just, man, see that. Psalm 133 talks about the oil that's poured over their head and it just drips down. This is what we need as we serve the Lord. You know, by the Spirit, we are empowered over sin and by the spirit we are empowered to serve and to serve with power maybe you're here today and you just you just keep sinning and you keep doing this and you keep messing up i mean there's so many things that we could talk about we could talk about people who are struggling with alcohol or drugs or they're struggling with just the way they treat their spouse uh, the way they speak to them or their children I mean, we could talk about so many things. I know a lot of people, they struggle with sex and pornography. Uh, you struggle even with praying. You can't even pray. You can't even get down on your knees. You can't even seek God. You can't even open up your Bible. I mean, there are so many things that we struggle with, and, and we just can't overcome because we have not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Or if we have, maybe we did a while back, but it's been a while and we need to be filled again with his power. You know, I told you guys before, to my shame, I just tripped out on this, how there was a while there that I, I thought my truck was broken down. It was sitting in the, in the driveway, and I thought it was, just didn't work anymore until my wife suggested that perhaps it was out of gas. And, oh, you know, come on. I mean, I've never run out of gas. And, uh, and seriously, though, I'm serious. My truck was sitting there in my driveway. I was thinking, well, I don't have the money to take it to the mechanic. So it's just going to have to sit there. And, you know, I'm serious. Um, spiders began making their home in my truck. I'm not exaggerating. You can ask my family. Spiders, uh, black widows underneath, uh, all around. And it was just pathetic what was happening in my truck until... One day I kind of took her up on it. I said, okay, I'm going to go get me some gas. And I, and I put the gas in and fired her up. 
you know, and she started. Maybe you're here today and you're blaming it on the church. You're blaming it on your, your, your situation. You're blaming it on your finances. You're blaming it on, you know, you name it. When the reality is you're out of gas. The reality is you need to be filled up again with the Holy Spirit. See, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, that personal power of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin. Not only that, we need the personal power of the Holy Spirit to serve. Uh, I was talking to Henry about this, and it's kind of funny. You know, when he got saved, when I got saved, one of the things that happened to us is we got zapped by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we began to serve the Lord. A lot of times people don't even get involved in ministry because they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit to move them, to sign up, to get involved in ministry. They come, they go, they come, they go, and they don't never ever use their gifts with a passion to serve the Lord. Sometimes you need that power just to serve, to begin serving, and sometimes you need that power when you serve. We always do. You know, and, and you can come to the place where service is uh, monotony. You know, it's just grinding things out. It's really nothing's really happening. It's because you're not serving in the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the things you're going to see is that we've all been given gifts by the Holy Spirit, but those gifts need to be exercised under the anointing of God. And so this is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. This is what the filling of the Holy Spirit is. And when you receive it, when we receive that power, we will overcome sin. Not that we'll become sinless, but there will be a consistency. There will be a victory. In our life, sin will no longer have dominion over us. And when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, we're going to serve him. And we're going to serve him with that anointing and that power that he provides. See, this is what it is. And as we look at it, you know, I think it helps to understand the three positions of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. You know, prior to salvation, the Holy Spirit is with people. He's with people, convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You read that in John chapter 16, verse 8. And so the Holy Spirit is with us. Jesus said here, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you. And so this is prior to New Testament salvation, prior to any salvation really, the Holy Spirit is with a person. And here we see he's convicting them. He's convincing them of sin. This is sin. You, you shouldn't do this anymore. You know, sometimes a person, they, they, they go and they party, they club, they do all that kind of stuff. They don't have a conviction. They don't think it's wrong. And then the Holy Spirit begins to move in their life. The Holy Spirit then is sent to them. And he's with them, telling them that's sin. You shouldn't. And all of a sudden, you start feeling convicted over those things. That's prior to salvation. He convinces us of sin and of righteousness. Well, this is what a right life looks like. This is how you receive righteousness. If you receive righteousness in Christ. The Holy Spirit starts working in our lives. That's how we got saved. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. And that's what the Holy Spirit was doing with the apostles. He was with them. The Greek word is para. He was convincing them, convicting them of sin and, and how to get right with God and of judgment. You know, if you don't receive the Lord, you'll go to hell. 
If you continue in sin, let me tell you, if you are a Christian here today and you continue to live in sin, persistent, consistent, insistent, resistant sin, God will discipline you. You got to have the fear of the Lord. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's with us and he convinces us of sin and righteousness and judgment. So that's what happens before you're a Christian, right? But then when you become a Christian, when a person is saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in the believer. You know, Jesus predicted this would take place in that passage. He said, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, and I don't know, man, I, I teach, you know, a lot of times uh, as I'm going through a teaching, I'll touch on these things real quick. Or even in the Bible college, I, you know, I, I'm teaching a class on the Holy Spirit. And it, it's just I have to take the blame myself that for whatever reasons, people just don't understand it. You know, and so here I'm like. You know, Henry, I got to try to break it down, man. You got to help me with this. I got to I got to simplify this before you're a Christian. The Holy Spirit is with you. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. OK, do you guys understand that? Capiche? You guys know that Italian, right? <laughs> Why do you say that in Spanish? I don't know. But man, you know, it's funny how, you know, people, they. I don't know, they don't get it. I really want you guys to get it. I want you guys to be blessed. I want you to overcome sin. I want you to serve the Lord in the way that he's supposed to, you're supposed to. I, I want, we want the best for you. And we know, I know this isn't going to happen apart from this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, he lives in us. Of course, we know Jesus predicted this. And Paul, he mentions this frequently. One such instance is 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You see, our, a lot of times people, uh, they come to the building, and that's okay. It was kind of cool. One of the guys came in today, and he said, I just want to come in and pray. And, and you're fine. You can do that. I think it's a blessing. But God doesn't live in this building. Especially in this one with dirty ceiling tiles. Let me tell you, man. God lives in you. God lives in you. I don't get it. How does he do it? He's too big for that. I don't know. He'll tell you one day when you talk to him. All I know is the Bible makes it explicitly clear. God lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. If you're a Christian, he lives in you. Right? There's no exceptions to that. Right. And so the three prepositions, you have the para, which is he's he's with you prior to salvation. And there's the the N, which is just in he's he lives in you when you become saved. But then the third one, which is what we're going to talk about, is different. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit comes upon a believer. This is also called the filling of the Holy Spirit. And you read the book of Acts. You read the book of Luke. You read the Old Testament. Uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not unique in any way to uh, the followers of God. It happened frequently in the Old Testament. The indwelling is unique in the New Testament. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you see it a lot. You see it a lot. And uh, what we find is that it's a, a special 
anointing that God gives to us to overcome sin and to serve him the way that we should. You know, to be baptized, uh, the Greek word, it speaks of being dipped over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, in Greek literature, it's, it's used, they have this one fragment of a Greek uh, writing that uses it of a, of a cucumber being baptized in vinegar. What does that become? A pickle. How many of you guys like pickles? All right. Now, that, does that pickle, does that cucumber go in and out? No, oh, it just kicks it, huh? It's just right there, and it's just ba- it's basking in that. When we're baptized, that's the Greek word used. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you guys to visualize yourself just saturated, soaking in the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not like a little sprinkle. It's not like a little dip, and then you're gone. It's like you are soaking in the Holy Spirit. That's the picture. But the thing that just amazes me about it is it's synonymous with being filled with the Spirit. So you're soaking in the Spirit, and you're also filled with the Spirit. And we're not talking about like, you know, 90%, 95%. We're talking about you being overflowing and filled with the Holy Spirit. See, this is what happens when we experience what the Bible calls being baptized with the Holy Spirit, being filled with him. It's something that, you know, we could never do on our own strength. Uh, it's something that we need constantly. You know, I know I do. And I'm here tonight, and I wanted to see if maybe we could end a little early. I don't know if it's going to happen, because you know how it is when I start talking. But I I want to make sure that before we go today, that we have the opportunity to pray with each other. Some of you here, you're really hurting. You're really going through difficult times. and You need to come forward and have the pastors anoint you with oil and pray for you. But, But what I found in life is that you know, you might be here tonight and you might doubt it. Well, I don't know if I can be soaked in the Spirit and be filled in the Spirit. Then, you know, go on your own little way. Then you won't experience what God promises to you. What I found is that as we grow in life, our fears grow. We have these grown-up fears. And what do we need? We need a childlike faith. All I know is this, man. God is offering his Holy Spirit and his power to us. And it's clear in Scripture, with, in, and upon, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's something that happens in our life over and over and over again, you know? So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have the three positions, the three experiences, the with, That happens before you're a Christian, the in, when you become a Christian, and then the upon. And so the lesson for tonight, it focuses in the upon experience. And so we kind of see what it is. And and so the second question is, why should we be seeking this? Or why should we be seek this? I don't know if that's old King James or what, but... Why? You're like, why, Manny? What's up with that? You know, why are we supposed to be seeking it? Well, number one is the command to be filled with the Spirit. 
is a clear command in Scripture. Ephesians 5.18, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be, and in the Greek language, it's the aorist tense. It's a command. And it's an imperative. Okay? So this is a, in the Greek language, it says, I command you to completely be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. And so if it's a command, then... We need to obey the command, right? Because it's kind of interesting, the contrast here. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Dissipation, you guys know like something dissipates, it lessens, it weakens. Uh, the word right here speaks of one's life digressing, slowly disappearing. It describes someone who ends up wasting their money, time, and life. It just wastes away you know when i look at you guys all of you here you know i don't know all of you but i do know this um that you have so much potential i mean all of you here the gifts god's given you the opportunities he's given you the the way that he loves you i mean we just i don't want you or me or any of us here to waste our life the contrast here is don't be drunk with wine in which is a wasted life but be filled with the Spirit. That's like the antithesis of a wasted life. It's a life that's spent for the glory of God. And so it's a command to be obeyed. Let me ask you a question today. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Coming in today, was that something you were thinking about? Yep, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean... You have to answer that question. You have to ask that question. You have to search your heart. Well, I go to church. I read my Bible. I said the prayer. I am, I'm a good critic of all that's going on. Uh, that's cool, you know. But are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, it's interesting when you read the Bible in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 3. It says that they, um, they were looking for people to serve tables and uh, and this is what they said. They said, in the, even just to serve tables, I mean, you know, you would think that that would be a menial task, right? You would think, oh, that's really not much to, to serve tables and to give people food. But he says, therefore, brethren, seek out among you men, seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. You know, let me tell you something. If someone is, is full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see it. It's evident. They love the Lord. They're, 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 they're just full of the Holy Spirit. And you see it in their life. You know, when Daniel was exercising his gift, it's amazing. You know, the king just said, man, this guy's filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a pagan king and he saw it. It should be evident. We should be knowing. We should be growing. We should be glowing. With the Holy Spirit. You know, it's a command. And to me, it's interesting, that command right there. Because in Ephesians 5.18, it's not too far from Ephesians 5.21, which says to be submissive to one another. And it's not too far from Ephesians 5.22. You ladies know that one? It says you're supposed to be submissive to your husbands. Let me tell you something. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that, huh, ladies? I mean, it's interesting, and he goes on, he talks about, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit, submitting to one another, and then 
wives submitting to their husbands and then husbands loving their wives. How in the world are we going to do that? How in the world are we going to do, you know, die to ourselves, get crucified? Think of them before us like completely. How are we going to do that apart from this? That's why some of you husbands here and some of you wives here are struggling the way you are because you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not. You're just not. You're walking in your own goodness. And you might be good and you might have a great personality. Maybe you have, like even by natural nature, some type of meekness to you. But you can't do this without the Lord. We're talking about something so much higher than what you've been living. And then he goes on in chapter 6 and he talks about parents and children. And then he talks about, you know, you at work. Some of you here, you're struggling at work. And you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes on and he talks about us, you know, fighting the devil. And this is why we're struggling. Because we don't have this. You know, this is why we need the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because it's a command to be obeyed. And what we find is we need this uh, for many reasons. For example, leaders need the Spirit of God upon them to lead. How many of you here are leaders? Pastors, fathers, mothers are leaders. And so many of us here are leading people in different ways. We need the Holy Spirit to lead. Numbers 11, verse 17, God speaking to Moses, I will take of the Spirit that is upon you, and will put the same spirit upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it alone. That was when Moses was having a hard time. Things were growing, and he couldn't do it. He needed help. And so God says, well, it's that spirit that's upon you that they need. We need that spirit to lead. We need the spirit of God. And when he comes upon us, he will begin to change us. I know there are some of you here. I'll be the first to raise my hand. I need to change. I need to to grow, I need to be different in so many areas. First Samuel 10.6, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, that Samuel speaking to Saul, and you will be turned into another man. Oh, Lord, how we need this. This happened in First Samuel chapter 10, verse 10. But the thing is, he was baptized in one sense, but he needed to continuously be filled. And of course, we know Saul didn't do that. We need the Holy Spirit because when the Spirit of God comes upon us, we will exercise our gifts and do so with greater effectiveness. Judges 14.6, speaking about Samson, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. I like that one. Not just upon him, but mightily upon him. And he, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. The Bible is very clear. It wasn't him. It wasn't man. Think about that. That was Samson's gift. I know some of you here, you would like to have that gift. Lord, give me, you know, big biceps or something, you know. But that was his gift. What's your gift? And when you have that gift, you exercise it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you know, whether he comes upon you mightily. You know, when I think of this whole story right here, there's so many things that come to mind among them. Just the fact that we have to exercise our gifts, all our unique gifts. His was very unique. Yours are very unique by the Spirit of God. And not only that, what do you think of when you think of the lion? I mean, when the lion comes against us, who's that in reference to? It's in reference to the devil. 
and the demons that are coming after you. And if they can't, you know, make you bad, they'll make you busy. If they can't deceive you, they'll distract you. The strategies of Satan are something that we need the Spirit of God to combat. And the bottom line is, without God, we have no power. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12, it says, For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You know, when I was reading this verse, you guys, and this is uh, Jehoshaphat and surrounded by the Edomites and Moabites and Ammonites, I mean, it was just an impossible situation. And he just began to pray. And he said, Lord, we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. And I thought about you. I thought about you guys. You know, I just thought to myself, Lord, I know there are people in our congregation that are experienced tremendous spiritual warfare. And there's like, the, like a multitude that are, are coming against them. We have no power against them. But tonight what we're going to do is we're going to get our eyes on the Lord. We don't even know what to do. How many of you here would admit, I don't know what to do? I don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you and God's going to do a work, right? We need the Holy Spirit. Without him, we have no power. We've read that many times in John 15, 5. I am the vine, Jesus said, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do what? Nothing. Except for you, you're the exception, right? No. Without him, we can do a whole lot of nothing. And we do sometimes do a whole lot of nothing. You know, we really need to abide in him. And when I see that, what do you guys see? Abide in me and I in you. What do you guys see there? I mean, the vine is definitely drawing its resources. I mean, the branch is drawing its resources from the vine. But what are you seeing? Abide in me and I in you. What are you seeing there? You are seeing a relationship. And that's what it is when we have this relationship with God. We will bear much fruit. And that's what God wants. See, he wants us to be filled and to be baptized. You know, we see what it is. We know why we need it. And so now the question is how? You know, how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? How does it happen? You know, because I know for sure that I want that. And I want it, you know, constantly. I encourage you, you go home and you read the book of Acts and you see how frequently they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, let's look at a few passages. Um, how, how can we experience this, this power? You know, how can we experience the person of the Holy Spirit to help us overcome sin, to help us to serve and to serve more effectively? Lord, this is a promise uh, that, you know, was made in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. It was a promise made by John the Baptist, a promise made by Jesus, a promise made by the Father. According to Luke 24, 49, it's a promise that God said, I'll give you power and God will not break his promise. Lord, how? How can I possess this promise? Well, I know for sure it begins with prayer. One of the things that you have to associate with this is prayer. Let me ask you a question. How's your prayer life? You know, I don't want to answer. 
Look at Acts 1 and verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And it's kind of funny. He's like, I right, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Lord, but you know, let me ask you a question. Ah. And that's how life is. We get so distracted. Well, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I have a question here. God's just saying, hold on a second. You need power. Go and tarry and wait and pray before you do anything else. I'll tell you what. There are times, and I'll be honest with you, when I know I'm not walking in the Holy Spirit, I'm walking in my flesh, I'm walking in Manny. And so I got to go, and you know how you got to be somewhere at a certain time, and so I go, and I'm with my wife, and I just tell myself, you know what, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, but right now I think I'm filled with me. I'm filled with my flesh, and so you know what I do? I just try to be quiet. <laughs> I don't say anything, man, because I know that I need to wait and tarry until I am given that power. And again, I know it's not always that weird, but I'm weird. And I just know when I'm walking in my own strength and when he is supplying that strength. You know, it's not just a matter of trying. It's a matter of trusting. It's not just a matter of determination. It's a matter of dependence. It's not just a matter of whether or not you're saved. The question is whether or not I'm sanctified. Am I hungry for God? You know? Here the Lord's saying, I want to give you power. Oh, Lord, I have a, a question on eschatology. You know what? That's not where it's at right now. That's not what it's about right now. And he goes back and he says in verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And I love that. Witnesses to me. I just love that. And so we read in verse 12, and then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered that day, they went into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of James. And notice it says, and these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. How long were they there praying? Anybody know? Ten days. Ten days in the upper room. Prayer and supplication. Seeking God on their face, on their knees, sitting, standing, praying and praying and praying and praying and waiting and tarrying for the promise of the Father. And then we know it happened in Acts chapter 2 that the day of Pentecost fully came. They were all, notice there's that word again, with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came this sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit came when Jesus left. And now the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, just like Jesus did. And so 
we don't necessarily need a repetition of Pentecost. We need an appropriation of Pentecost. And then what ended up happening, you know, Peter is the poster child for this doctrine. You guys know that, right? You guys remember how Peter was before? He was afraid. He was, you know, so many things about him, denied the Lord, swore about it. He didn't have courage. I mean, just even one day he said, I'm going fishing. And he was leaving the ministry. He was leaving until Jesus went after him. Jesus said, hold on a second. Don't go anywhere yet. He restored him. Then he told him to go and to pray. And then when the Holy Spirit came upon his life, he was a totally different man. You see, and that's what God wants to do for us. How, how does this happen? Well, we, we got to pray. Um, you know, the interesting thing, I, I want to add this, and we'll see it throughout the book of Acts, but I do want to mention Acts chapter 8, verse 17. Because sometimes it's not you praying, sometimes it's others. It says in verse 14, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, and it means they were Christians, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so these guys were Christians. You don't baptize people who aren't Christians. They're Christians. And as Christians, the Holy Spirit's already in them. But they needed more. And so Peter and John went down, and it says right there, then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. I pray for my family to be baptized with the Holy Spirit every single day. Tonight, maybe we can do that. You can pray. You can have someone pray for you. This is how we receive the Holy Spirit. How does it happen? Well, we receive the Holy Spirit as we pray. Um, Luke 11. Let's turn there real quick. Too slow. No, I'm just joking. Luke 11. Look at verse 9. It's not something that we do, okay, Manny, I'm going to do it, you know, real quick. No, this is something that we, man, we do over and over and over again. Luke 11, verse 9, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Now, in the Greek language, this is a present tense. It means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Can you imagine that? Of course not. Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, and when you read the book of Acts, they weren't always asking for the Holy Spirit. They're just asking for whatever they need. Lord, I need boldness. One time they prayed, God, grant us boldness. And the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, how does it happen? I think it has a lot to do with prayer. And then I think not only to pray, but also to obey. Proverbs 1.23, it says, Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. It's a very important passage. Maybe you're here tonight and, you know, you're struggling with something. Whatever it is, I'll use pornography as an example. I don't think any of you guys are, but who knows, man. Maybe you are. 
Maybe you have a wandering eye. Maybe you like to look at that kind of stuff. And, and you know, let me just ask you a question. Are you willing to lay it down? Are you willing to? Do you want God to take it from you? Are you willing to let it go? Whatever the sin might be. You can't do it without his power, but he's not going to give you the power if you don't want the power to change your life. And so when he says, turn at my rebuke, it's not necessarily that you have to live a perfect life in order to get the Holy Spirit. It has to do with that whole heart of repentance. I want to change. Lord, I want you to make me that husband, that wife, whatever it might be. And as we pray and as we have a heart to obey, then what ends up happening is God gives us this amazing gift. Ephesians 4, verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, that passage right there, it speaks of just uh, a lot of things that we can do. And in the preceding verses, he talks about the way that we can slander people, criticize people. We can sin with our mouth. And that grieves the Holy Spirit. How in the world do you expect to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit if you're talking like that? And so you have to be willing. Tonight, we just have to be willing. And I'm with you 100%. We just have to be willing, you know, to lay it down. How does it happen? Well, we have to pray and obey. At the same time, keep in mind that God is sovereign and free to baptize and fill his people with the Holy Spirit at any time, really. I mean, he can do it at any time. You could be having an ice cream. He might fill you with the Holy Spirit, you know. Have you guys ever heard of that ice cream, Heavenly Hash? That's probably the one, man, you know. The most important key is whether or not we're longing for the Lord. What does the Bible say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Do you want that? Do you want that? I mean, it's just an honest question. Do you want him do you want this are you hungering and thirsting after righteousness maybe you're not maybe you're here tonight and just like man i gotta go <laughs> you know i gotta leave i got things to do or whatever i mean i don't, I don't know wow how you could think that but i know that if you want the lord he will do a great work again like i said pray and obey but man it's amazing the way things have happened over the years for example, David Brainerd, he experienced a filling of the Holy Spirit while taking communion during his mission work. I don't know if you guys ever studied his life, but he was a missionary to the Native Americans, uh, to the Indians here. He only had a ministry for three years, but it's amazing what God did in this guy. But one day, having communion, God just baptized him with the Holy Spirit. This guy right here, he would minister, um, he would walk a mile and a half every day in order to preach to the Indians. He had his struggles with loneliness, depression, health issues. Um, when he was there, uh, I guess he was the only English-speaking person that was a Christian, so he had really no one to talk to. But man, did God do a work through this guy. It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit that made a difference in his life. Same thing with Charles Finney. He experienced a filling of the Holy Spirit almost out of the blue. And sometimes you see that throughout church history. You see it in the Bible. Like, for example, we read it earlier about Saul. And God just might give someone power. But he knew when it happened and never forgot it. He never got away from it. He was a leader of the Second Great Awakening here in the United States of America, often called the father of modern revivalism. You guys know about D.L. Moody? He had been saved for many years, but received a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit while he was just walking in the streets of New York. 
his ministry, and you guys probably have heard of Moody Bible Institute, then exploded in effectiveness when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you guys have heard of this guy, um, Billy Graham. <laughs> you know, here was a man, loved the Lord, wanted to be used by the Lord, but up to a certain point, there wasn't an effectiveness in his ministry, but one season of his life while sailing to England, it was a three-month crusade in 1954, he said that he cried out to God for strength, for his task, and he was given a special anointing of the Holy Spirit from that day forward. I mean, you got to cry out. You know, we have to see what's in front of us, and it could be so many things. It could just be me being a parent to this child. That, oh, Lord, I need you for this child. Or it could be God calling you to be a pastor, God calling you to be an evangelist, God calling you to change the world. I don't know what it is. But we can't do this without that anointing. And we have to cry out for it. We have to see our utter inadequacy. I want them to be saved. And I know that that cannot happen unless I'm filled with you, Lord. And Billy Graham, he's spoken to, I guess they say, live audiences of 215 million people. Imagine that. That doesn't count the broadcasts and the television shows and books that he's written. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Keith Green. You know, but here's the cool. Uh, one, one, he, he once wrote of a full night of prayer. He just prayed all night, seeking God. That led to such a change in his heart and ministry that he said it was like being born again, again. Keith Green, he was awesome, a radical. He died early. But his ministry continues to make a difference. And then there's Andrew Murray. He's written 240 books. If you've ever written, if you've ever read anything by this guy, he's got a great book. It's called The Spirit of Christ. Awesome. But man, he spent the first 10 years of his Christian life without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He once said, I know I have been justified in the blood of Christ, but I have no power for service. And he eventually was filled with the Holy Spirit and two words stood out for the rest of his life. Surrender and abide. He's got a great book. It's called Absolute Surrender. I encourage you guys, learn from that. That's how we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what do we need to do? You know, I, I just pray that whatever it is that you're facing, whatever your grown-up fears are, concerns are, that you would tonight meet whatever maybe even your questions are with a childlike faith. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.